Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Today, we have the privilege of listening to our guest speaker, Lori Ganeer, give a message called The Secret of Contentment. The enemy of our soul uses discontentment to pull us away from the Father's heart. Don't fall into his trap by feeling, if there was just a little more, then I'd be content. Contentment is not based on our situation. It's based on our relationship with God. We hope you enjoy this message. So this morning I want to talk about contentment and the secret to contentment. Because we live in a world that's pretty frazzled. Even for Christians, it can be very hard to find contentment in this mess as life swirls around us. Most of us are content some of the time, but if we were honest, we would say we're not content all the time. And we struggle sometimes as Christians feeling guilty because we know the scripture talks to us about being content, why we should and how we should. The enemy of our soul, the devil, loves it when you and I are not content. He loves it when you and I are struggling Body, soul, mind, or spirit, and being discontent. We don't have enough. We are not enough. We fall into a trap of feeling that if there was just this one more thing, if there was a little bit more money or a little bit better relationships or a little bit of this more, if there was just more of something, then I would be content. We feel like we're missing out on things. And, you know, and I think that. We've noticed probably the last, I don't know, a number of years now that we've started hearing the phrase a FOMO, a fear of missing out, that our lives are so busy that so many households, both husband and wife are working, children are in daycares, and I'm not criticizing that at all. We live in the economy that we live in, and that's what we get, but our lives are so crazy busy that you know, we're fearful of our kids missing out on anything. We're scared of us missing out on anything. So we run like crazy people trying to get it all in. Because if we just run a little harder, if we just run a little faster, if we just work a little harder, we cram more into our busy lives because we don't want to miss out. Contentment tends to be far from us. But the Apostle Paul wrote this, and he was talking to the Philippians when he talked about how he was so thankful for their gifts to that, to him, because they wanted to take care of him. They were willing to take care of him. But here's what Paul said. Philippians chapter four. He says, I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you don't have a chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, For I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Did you catch that? Not that I was never in need, but I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is a full stomach or empty or plenty or a little. For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Say that last verse with me. For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He wasn't saying, he was saying that he was content whether he had food in his belly or he didn't. Whether he had enough to live on or he didn't. 
whether he had plenty or he was in need. He learned to be content. He said, not that I wasn't ever, that I was ever in need, because I've learned to be content. Think about that a second. Can I say, I'm really okay, and I'm really content, even when I don't have? And sometimes we can say, no, 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 that's okay, I'm good, I can take care of it, we're all good. And it can be mixed with a little bit of a handful of pride. When we say that, that sounds very funny. Whoever's phone is doing that, it's very funny. But, I, you know, thinking about um, e- even, you know, walking, when you're walking with a bunch of people and you're tripping, you fall in front of those folks. Anybody ever done that? I've done that a couple of times. One of them was just two weeks ago. Anyway, I didn't trip and fall. I, never mind. Anyway, <laughs> you do things like that in front of somebody. And you get yourself up right away, right? And you go, no, 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 I'm all good. I'm all good. And inside you're going, my God, I'm going to (laughs) die. You know, because we don't want people to know really how bad off we really are. And and I think we've all done that at some point in our life. But that's not what Paul's saying. He's not saying bury your head in the sand and act like it's okay. He truly was internally okay. He's saying that no matter if his belly was empty or it wasn't, he learned to be okay. He, he even meant that when he washed up on a seashore, because y'all know he did that, right? He washed up on a seashore. He probably had, you know, seaweed hanging on his hat. I don't know. Hanging off of his bald head. I don't know. But he was still okay then. Because he learned the secret to his contentment. Was not situational. Was not about what he was going through. But rather it was upon his relationship with God. So I wonder, can I say that? Personally, I think I can, I can say that it's okay if I have a little, if I have everything I need. I can say that it's okay with my health, I'm content with my health, if I have it. I can say that I'm content with my house, if I have one. I can say I'm content if I have what I need. But it becomes very difficult if we have, if we don't have what we think that we need. Can I be content then? When we have those things, it's easy. But Paul knew that it was it, what it was like to not have any of those things and still be okay. And that's what he was talking to us about. That's what he was trying to convey to the Philippians about. Because they truly wanted to take care of him. They truly wanted to do more for him. But he was saying, I've learned to be content. I'm good. I'm good. It can be hard. I have a friend who asked his dad, who was actually in his 80s. He said, Dad, are you happy? And Dad, Dad made no claims of being a Christian. And Dad said, happy? I'm not happy, I'm content. Happy is like hungry. It comes and it goes. But I'm content. You know, and how, how powerful that simple statement can really be. Because it's, it's not, again, it's not situational. It's not... When I have what I have, it's not in the what, but it's rather it's in the who. It's whose that I am. It's who takes care of me, not the what, the stuff that I have or I don't have. 1 Timothy 6 6 says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness means being godlike, 
being God-like by walking in obedience to the will of the word of God. It means devout. Contentment means the state of being content, the ease of mind, satisfied and fulfilled. So being content doesn't come from what? Because if it did, then if we didn't have it, we wouldn't be content. But rather, true contentment is in the who. Is it, it, the true contentment is in the who, not the what. Remember Paul said, Paul, he brought up this whole topic. In verse 12, he says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's full stomach or empty, plenty or little, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So it's not the right stuff. It's in Christ. It's in him that I have everything that I need. No one ever said that he would never fail me. Or the one that said that he would never fail me, that he cares about everything that concerns me. It's in him that I find my contentment when I seek him. You know, we spoke at the marriage seminar this, this uh, weekend. And one of the things that we talked about was the four basic needs that God created every human being with. Every human being. Every man or woman, that means you and me. It means me. He gave us, with four, gave us each four basic needs. And the reason that he gave them is because he's the only one that could truly fulfill them. And when we seek him for those things, we will always be content. The first one is identity. My identity is found fully and completely in him. Before I was a twinkle in my daddy's eye, my God knew me. And he had a plan for my life. He had a plan for me to be his daughter. And for you men, for you to be his son. His plans that, that for me are, and you, are apt, they're more than what you and I can think or imagine. So when you and I struggle with who, where do I find my identity? My identity is found in him. Some people have gone through, much, so, through so much bad stuff in their life. You know, abuse, being treated badly by others, being blamed for things that weren't theirs. And they have allowed all of those things to create their identity. And God is saying your identity is not in those things. You need to stop allowing things and situations to, to, to define who you are. Your creator has already defined who you are. Psalm 139 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. And I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in a secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I am awake, I am still with you. Your identity is found in him. You will be content when you grasp the depth of what that really means. Jeremiah 29, I'm sure you know it. For you know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good, not for disaster. And to give you a future and a hope. And in those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. 
I will be found by you, says the Lord. Your identity is in him. The second one is acceptance. God fully accepts us where we are. And he loves us enough to not leave us where we are sometimes. So many people stress that they're just not good enough for God and they fight trying to, trying to figure out how to make themselves good enough for God. And I'm telling you, you can't do that. If you could make yourself good enough for God, then he would have never sent his son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for your sin and mine. You can never make yourself good enough for him. It was already done. Because you are his son and his daughter, you can stop trying to work yourself to death to make yourself good enough. When he sees you, he sees the blood of Jesus and his righteousness covering you. You are his, and he accepts you right where you are. Third one is purpose. God has a divine purpose for each one of us. And if you're, if you're my age, our purpose looks different than it did 30 years ago. But I don't care how old you get. God's purpose for you never changes. He always has a plans and a purpose for you. I don't care your age. I don't care how young. I don't care how old. There's a scripture in Romans that says that the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance, meaning he will never take them back. He has a plan for you. He has a plan and he has a purpose. Last one is security. We are secure in him. My security is only found in my relationship with him. He's real and he wants a relationship with me that's so close that I often tell people that it's so close that I can literally feel his breath on my neck. And I am absolutely secure in him. When I stand next to my husband and, and he pulls me close, we have that husband and wife intimate time and I can feel his breath on my neck. There's no closer than I can be. And that's what God wants with you and I, to be that close and that tight that we are absolutely secure. And we don't fret and we don't worry. As we just sang that song, he split the sea so we could walk right through it. He has plans and he has a purpose for your life. And you are secure in him. So the secret to contentment is not in what we do, but it's the fact that we are his and we belong to him. One thing that will surely kill contentment is comparison. I want you to, if you haven't heard a thing I said, I want you to listen to this. When I compare myself or what I don't have or who I am or who I am not, anytime I compare myself to others, it, it kills contentment in my life. Robert Madu, tremendous speaker, he said this. He said, comparison consistently clouds the clarity of God's call on your life. Comparison consistently clouds the clarity of God's call on your life. Robert said this. He created you with a specific purpose in mind. He has already given you everything that you need to fulfill it. And no one else can fill the space that God has assigned to you. So stay in your lane. Don't try to be what someone else is. You don't have the same gifts and abilities that they do. You have the ones that God gave you. So stay in your lane and keep your eyes focused clearly on Jesus because he has made you to be a masterpiece. 
The enemy's number one weapon of mass destruction and, and mass distraction is to get, yourself, get you to compare yourself to somebody else. Comparison will steal your joy. Comparison will steal your peace. Comparison will suffocate your sanity. And comparison is a thief to your joy. Comparison is a cancer to contentment. You are unique. You are God's masterpiece created for him and him alone. So stop, stop comparing yourself to other people. Because comparison keeps us focused on what we don't have. That's what it does, right? When I compare myself to somebody else, it keeps me focused on what I don't have. And I stop being grateful to God for what he has done and what he has given me and who he created me to be. So the only antidote for it is gratitude. The only attitude is gratefulness. So you and I need to learn to flip the script and stop comparing ourselves to others when we feel like we're not quite good enough. And start thanking God for the things that he has made you to be and the gifts that he has given you. And instead of comparing yourself with someone else and what you don't have, flip the script and begin to thank him because he's created you with all the skills and the ability to accomplish that which he has created you to accomplish. No matter what you tend to compare yourself with, flip that script and begin thanking God. Begin thanking God for all that he is for you. If he never did another thing for me, if he never did another thing for you, he would owe us absolutely nothing. God has been so, so good. Our contentment is found in our relationship with him. A relationship that is real, so real that we talk to him every day, that we read his word every day. And people get all wrapped up. Well, how much should I read every day? I don't care how much you read. You know, if you've got a bunch of time and you can sit for three hours and read, then do that. Most people don't have that much time. But if you sit down and you read one scripture a day, if you read one chapter a day, if you read something every day, you're ingesting that word of God every day. And you and I both know that what we ingest on a regular basis either builds us up or tears us down. So the choice is yours. You're going to read the word of God every day. It will build you up. Then we will find true contentment in him and not other people and other things. So what's the secret to contentment? It's in who? In my God, my creator, the one who gives me everything that I need and so much more. So the question I have for you today is, have you found that contentment? Have you found it? I find so much joy, so much of this joy of Jesus in little children. Our youngest granddaughters, one of the things that we do every Thanksgiving is we keep all the grandkids overnight, and they totally decorate our house for Christmas. Now, that's a little self-serving. I get it. <laughs> but I sugar them up, make them waffles in the morning, and put little sugar sprinkles in them. Anyway, they totally transform and decorate our house. But one of the most precious things that happens during that time is they get to unpack all the stuff, and I don't care where they put stuff. I tell them, put it where it looks beautiful to you. So our trees, all five of them, no, we don't have five big trees. We have a bunch of smaller trees. But I always tell them they get to decorate it any way they want to. So our trees never look the same every year. It's really pretty fun. 
But the thing that they always wait for as they're emptying out the tubs, Rick, am I right? They want to know where's the baby Jesus. Where's the baby Jesus in the little manger? They're so, so completely focused on that baby Jesus. It's like there's nobody else in the room. All they want to see is that little baby Jesus, and they want to take care of him. They take turns tucking him in. And they can't wait after they leave to be able to come back and see that he's in the same place that he left them. And God forbid that someone should have moved him. But the cool thing is, here's a picture of what that baby Jesus looks like. It might be a little hard to see with all the red and green and white, but you see the little major there? What he's laying on? <clears throat> Again, I let him do what they want. He's laying on a folded up red napkin. <clears throat> and that's his blanket, or that's his sheet. And what he's covered up there with is a Christmas coaster. It's just the right size for his blanket, and it keeps him nice and warm. So why do I show you that? Because there's a preciousness in understanding who Jesus really was that we lose when we grow up. Because that baby grew up to become a man who gave his life to pay a price from high sin and yours. That you and I could have a relationship with him today. That I never lose that preciousness of who came and why he came. The one that wants us to know our true identity, our acceptance, and our purpose, and our security. Knowing that real contentment is in the who. Is wrapped up in a relationship with him. Just like that baby Jesus is wrapped up in that makeshift blanket. You and I are wrapped up in him so securely that nothing can drag us away. So the secret of contentment. There's nothing that I could ever do that would make him stop loving me, nor you. Nothing. People say, well, what if I did this? Well, we know what the Bible says about that, so what if I did that? I'm telling you, I don't care what you do. There's nothing that you can do that's going to make him stop loving you. You and I all have hiccups in our life. And not a one of us have seen the last one. Any one of us is one, one bad decision away from a bad hiccup. And I'm telling you, even at that, God will never, ever stop loving you. That doesn't give us a license to go and do and be whatever we want to go and do and be. Because God loves us too much to leave us in that place. But you need to know that I can be content even if I hiccup in the fact that my God loves me and he's always there with his arms wide open for me to come back to him. Deep in the soul of every human being is a desire to be loved. From the depth of our soul, we need to feel, we, we need to feel his love. He's created us to respond to his voice. He's created us to respond to his love. Last family story, I promise. Our son, <clears throat> when our last, our last granddaughter was born, our son said, Mom, you won't believe what happened to us right after our baby girl was born. See, she didn't have a name yet, so she was baby girl. Our son looks like he's one of the Robertson sons from Duck Dynasty. There's a reason why I'm telling you that. In fact, he was, well, he was here when that church, your church 
brought Jace Robertson here. Our son drove all the way up here to see Jace Robertson. He looks just like he could be Jace's brother. He's a hairy bear. In fact, his nickname is Grizzly. So Grizzly says to his mama, I have to tell you what happened when baby girl was born. He said, right after she was born, and those, that you have, those of you that have birthed children, you know how this goes. After she was born, they scooped her up and they took her over to the warming table. And they laid her down and they went back to tend to her mom. And our son was kind of back and forth. Do I go by the baby? Do I stay with my wife? He was next to his wife and he heard his baby girl crying, desperately crying. So he walked over to her and he leaned over. He said, baby girl, I'm right here. Baby girl, I'm here. This is daddy. And her crying stopped. So as long as he knew she was good, he did what every good husband does. He went back to his wife. So he's overtending to his wife, making sure she's okay and they're doing what they should, warning them if they didn't. You know, it's a guy thing. And all of a sudden, she starts screaming again. So he runs back over to where she is. He says, baby girl, I'm right here. Daddy's right here. Mama's right there, and I'm right here. He said, and then mom, now my grizzly bear of a son, is crying. And he said, mom, when I said to her, baby girl, I love you, her eyes opened wide. And she looked at him with that gaze of love for the very first time ever. You can say what you want about babies not being able to see. I'm telling you, she saw her daddy. She heard his voice, and she saw him. We've reflected back on that numerous times because that's what God wants for you and I. To me, it was double proof that God really wants me to understand how much he loves us. And he truly created us to be able to see him. And when our relationship is to that place where I have found true contentment in him, it doesn't matter what goes on. It doesn't matter what's going on in my life. I don't have to be afraid to open my eyes and look at my dad. Because I know he loves me. So the question today, really, is are you afraid to open your eyes? Have you heard him say, I love you? The message, chapter of Psalms 34 says, open your mouth and taste, open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are you who run to him. Listen for his voice. Open your eyes. He wants you to hear him. He longs to spend time with you. He longs for you to open your eyes and to see him. He longs for you to open your ears and hear him. Reassuring you that he's right there. And he's never left you, nor will he. Your heart will rest in your anxiety. You will be able to just breathe. Because you, dear friend, will have found the secret to contentment. Psalm 34, 15 says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. So the secret of contentment is in the who. 
So it's my prayer for you that you captured a couple things this morning. God is calling us into a deeper relationship with him. That he showed you what true contentment in him is not in stuff. And it's not in other people. He desires for you to open your eyes and to see him. Open, open, open your eyes. No matter if you have been serving God a long time, or maybe you've never made a decision to serve him, you need to know this, that he desires for you to see him. He desires for you to hear him. If you don't know for sure that you are his child, I want want to give you that opportunity that you can know that you know that you know. It's a personal decision between you and God. There's no magic in a prayer. It's about a relationship with God. It's not, well, if I just say the right words. No, it's about coming to him and saying, God, I need you in my life. You maybe have always known him, known who he was, but not really knew him. Kind of like the president. We know who he is, but I don't really know him. God wants you to really know him. So if that's you today and you want a personal relationship with him, I want to ask you, just between you and God, to pray with me today, not out loud. Because this is between you and God. If it means something to you, it's going to mean something to him. And if you do have a relationship with him, I would invite you to pray also. That you go deeper in that relationship with him. That no matter what is going on in your life, that you're able to open your ears and open your eyes. And trust that he has a plan and a purpose for you. If you'd bow your heads with me. And if it's you and you've never said this prayer before, let this be your prayer between you and God. Dear God, I hear your voice through the word today. I hear you telling me that you are here. I'm opening my eyes, God. I want to see you. I want to believe that you sent your son to this earth to make a way for me to have a relationship with you. Forgive me of my sin and wash me clean. Help me to open my eyes to see you. Help me to live for you. Help me to see you all around me. Help me to hear your voice. Help me to read your love letter, the Bible, every day. Help me to be aware of your presence in me. Help me to live for you. Help my life be one that others can see you in me. Thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you for contentment that comes to me in you. Help me always to find my contentment in you and not in other people and certainly not in other stuff, but to find it in you in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, please tell somebody. you got two pastors here would love to hear from you. Because you prayed that prayer for the first time today. And if you don't have a home church, this is an awesome one. If you have a home church, as I heard pastors say yesterday, go back there. If it's a good church that preaches a good message, go back there. But tell somebody. And stay in your lane. God has created you to be who you are. And keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Because he has created you to be a masterpiece. So the secret of contentment in my relationship... It's not in the what and the stuff, but it's in the who and my relationship with him. Amen. Let me pray over you. Father, I thank you for your people here this morning. God, I thank you 
that you call us to be close to you. You call us to open our eyes and see you. And God, we make decision today to do that. We want to see you. We want to hear you. God, we've had awesome worship, and I suspect we're going to have more worship when, I, when I'm done talking here. And God, I thank you for this place that provides an opportunity for people to know you, to come and to worship you, to come and to hear the word of truth. So, Father, I pray your blessing upon my friends today. God, that you would do amazing things in their life that they more so much more than they can think or imagine. God, let your Holy Spirit rise up within them. God, as this church is making an impact on this community, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would continue to open doors of opportunity. Father, that you would continue to provide the needs that you know that they have. And from what I hear, God, you provide them even when they're just a thought in their heart. You provide a need and confirm that this is what you're doing. So God, we thank you and we ask your blessing, your continued blessing, not just upon the ministry, but on the people in this church, upon its leadership. And Father, we do thank you and we praise you, God, for who you are, far more than anything you ever do. We thank you for who you are, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider supporting us. You can make an easy and safe donation on our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com give. Thank you for your generous donation.